0: In our story, God said this. He said, I want you to get all the soldiers, every one of them, and march around those impossible walls. Imagine if half of them had said, no, don't want to get involved, not interested, going to stay back at camp. The rest of you are fine. Imagine if most of them had said, Lord, I'm not going to, I'm not going to involve myself in this little battle. Why, they would have been defeated. But imagine, but it's not an imagine all 601,730 of them uh, together, they could accomplish anything. I will say as Christians, there isn't anything we couldn't accomplish if we just work together in any segment, any part of society, we could, we could, we could be successful. I believe that.
1: Our teaching pastor is W. Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. I want you to look
0: at this text, and uh, thank you for uh, looking at it here for this whole series, but we always like to find something new in this text. But in verse 1, we learned that Jericho, which is the gateway city for Israel to actually get into the promised land, is tightly shut up, which means it's the walls, the double walls are Fortified, the, the gates are barred. The windows are locked. In verse 2, it's one of the best verses because before the battle ever begins, God promises that he's going to deliver Jericho into their hands. I want everyone to say the word hallelujah. hallelujah. That's always a good thing when God guarantees victory. And then you come to verse 3, and our word is in this verse. In the instructions, he says to march around the city once with all, there's that word, with all the armed men and do this for six days. And then again, here in verse 5, we find our word again. It's it's found in not only in verse 3, we find it in verse 5. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout And then the wall of this city will collapse, and the people will go up, and every man straight in. Now, for some reason, in the mind of God, the plan of God, in the giving of these detailed instructions, it was important to God that everybody was all in. There's an underlying principle of unity in this story that sometimes people miss. That as they marched, and as they obeyed, and as they followed the instructions, as they advanced, as they walked, as they shouted, God wanted everyone involved. According to Numbers chapter 26, verse 51, God had commanded uh, the Israelites to count how many soldiers do we have. And in the Bible, Numbers 26, 51, that number is 601,730 to be exact. Now we know that when they first went in, initially 40,000 of them, they crossed over first. But eventually, all 601,730 soldiers crossed the River Jordan into the land of Canaan, right there short of Jericho. I want to tell you three things about numbers. Number one, write this down. There is strength in numbers. Uh, verse 12, Ecclesiastes 4, it says, The one may be overpowered. You're in a little battle, or a tug of war there. You're all by yourself. You're in trouble. But two can defend themselves. I want to go out on a little limb right now and tell you something. There isn't anything that we couldn't accomplish if we all worked together. Did you know the Bible says that the first church in Acts 17, verse 6, that it turned the world upside down? That's in the Bible. And if if we could get Christians, I mean, anyone who said that they were a Christian, if we could all work together, did you know that our immoral culture could actually become a moral culture? The divorce rates could be reversed. Pornography could be eradicated. We could once again have a government that honored and feared the Lord. We could have children who would honor their parents while revival could come to America. We could accomplish anything if we as Christians truly worked together. I believe that. In our story, God said this He said, I want you to get all the soldiers, every one of them, and march around those impossible walls. Imagine if half of them had said, no, don't want to get involved, not interested, going to stay back at camp. The rest of you are fine. Imagine if most of them had said, Lord, I'm not going to, I'm not going to involve myself in this little battle. Why, well, they would have been defeated. But, imagine, but it's not an imagine. Imagine all 601,730 of them uh, together they could accomplish anything i will say as christians there isn't anything we couldn't accomplish if we just worked together in any segment any part of society we could we could we could be successful i believe that number two write this down not only is there strength in numbers there's encouragement in numbers there's something about and i feel it every week when i come out here when i see so many people doing the right thing it actually encourages me to do the right thing that i'm not just alone i think about what if i was the only christian in los angeles it could be difficult but when i see so many i don't, I don't know it's just encouraging to me does it encourage you uh, when you run into someone at work who's a christian doesn't that just kind of encourage you that you're not alone that's part of the story I believe that. There are two, two elements to encouragement. One, write this down, is to kind of be like a cheerleader. We're cheering, we're cheering for one another. You're saying to that other individual, hey, we can do this. We're in this thing together. We're good. We can get this done. I can't tell you how many times I've been riding my bike uh, and some of you watch the DVD, I've been going up a mountain and I get about halfway up, man, and I'm discouraged. I don't think I'm, and someone comes along and say, hey, hey, we can do this. Uh, Pastor, let's go, let's go. We can get up this hill. And I think just those words of encouragement, that cheering, it just helps me. I'll never forget this. Uh, when I was in college, we had these cheerleaders. They weren't very good, but uh, we were, we were in a game that we weren't very good. The team wasn't very good. And one game, we were down 30 points with one second left on the clock that's all the time left the other team is shooting free throws which means that we're going to be down 31 or 32 when they're done shooting free throws our cheerleaders who they broke out on this chant and went like this hey, 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 hey don't sweat, this game ain't over yet hey, 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 hey don't sweat, this game ain't over yet now, what were they trying to do They were trying to encourage us, right? And I I know this sounds a little strange, but I think that's not a little part. I think that's a big part of coming to church every week. That you walk in here and you're looking for someone to encourage. It starts out there in the parking lot when you get out of your car. It's not you just trying to get here. You get here and you look for someone who perhaps is lost or they're new. You, know, you people are new. You just look new. You're like looking around. You don't know what's going on. Or, or you help someone who they've got children. They don't know where to put them. They don't know where the bathroom is sometimes. Or you can say, hey, the donuts and coffee are over there and church starts. Come on in. And I just think that's part of going to church. I want to show you this verse that's in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says, let us consider. Everybody say consider. I got to think. And what are we considering? What does it say? Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. Verse twenty-five says, "Let us not give up meeting together." And I know we're on the internet, but I, I'm getting tired of hearing people say, "Hey, I didn't. I was. I, I watched it online." Uh, online, you're not. You can't encourage anybody online. You got to get here. It says, "Look at verse twenty-five. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit." But let us encourage one another. And what we've got to do, we've got to consider and you got to how can I encourage others? To live a life of purity. How can I encourage others to read their Bibles? How can I encourage others to serve? How can I encourage others to worship? You know when you just come to church on time and you're here and you're truly engaged and worshiping Don't you know that you're encouraging the person right next to you who doesn't know that much about it? When they see you, they just, they start to get involved a little bit themselves. How can we, can we got to figure it out? What can I do that, that will help others? And there could be anything imaginable. We had a girl in our church. Her name was Fawn Weaver. She used to watch television and they started off with the Stepford Wives. And then they had uh, the Desperate Housewives. I don't know if you remember that television show. And then they had the Real Housewives of Orange County and the Real Housewives of Atlanta and the Real Housewives of Washington, D.C., and I think New Jersey, and I think ended up in New York, had all these shows. And she noticed that all these women in their marriages, they were all miserable. And half their husbands were cheating on them. And she's looking at that and she's going, "Is is this what people in America think that marriage is all about? And this is what's being portrayed. And she started, she goes, i got a good marriage. I'm happily married. And so she goes, you know what I need to do? I need to start a club. And I'm going to call it the Happy Wives Club. (laughs) And I'm going to see if I could somehow get a million wives in a club that would all stand and say, hey, I'm happily married and here's why. And let that be what we encourage people with. She started a website. I want you to see how many people she's got signed up on her Happy Wives Club Facebook She's got 813,211 other couples that have joined her. She's almost at that one million mark. Amen. But besides cheering and encouraging, we can do this. Write this down second of all. It's not just being a cheerleader. I think it's being a comfort leader. This is when you come to someone who's really struggling and they're up against an impossible situation, and you say, hey, we can get through this. And isn't that the encouragement that's mostly needed is when you're hurting and when you're broken and when you're up against this impossible situation and you need someone to come alongside you and just say, hey, we can get through this. You know, my dad was having his chemo and radiation treatments. Until you go through that, you really don't understand How many people in the world are struggling with cancer? The first big shock is when you go to the cancer ward and they go to this area where everyone's getting chemo and they have all these leather chairs. It looks like a nail salon. But no one's getting their nails done. It's the chemo ward where everyone's sitting in these chairs. I mean, there there can be 20 or 30 chairs and you walk in the first time, And every chair is full. And they're hooked up to these IVs and they're getting their, their chemo treatment. And my mom said the first time she walked in there, she said, Dudley, it was humbling. She says it was shocking to us because when you looked at who was sitting in those chairs, they were from every walk of life. Black, white, it didn't matter. Rich, poor, it didn't matter. Tall, short, didn't matter. Old, young, it didn't matter. You see, cancer is no is not prejudice. It, it affects people of all nationalities and all races and all demographics. And she said when you walk in there, it, just, it shocks you when you see how many other people are struggling. And when you walk in there, you're, half, you're scared half to death because you don't know if it's going to work or not. But she said as you sit down, you start to get to meet the people around you. And they start to tell you their story and you tell them your story. And, and the longer you're in there, it's almost encouraging. That it, it ends up just being a time where people encourage one another as they're in the midst of this very difficult situation. And I just want to say this to you again. It's, it's really why you need to be to church. It's, church is not just about you coming and absorbing and leaving. It's partly you walking in here and looking around for someone who needs to be encouraged. And I will tell you this. There's going to come a time in your life where you're the one that's hurting. And if all you do is, again, sit home, watch the Internet, you're, not, you're kind of in trouble. You need to get involved in a life group because when it comes time for you to be going through your difficult time, it's going to be that life group that comes around you and helps you and encourages you and says to you, hey, we can get through this together. That's true. It's my first question when someone says, well, I guess, you know, don't we call me? My first question, are you in a life group? No. Well, you need to get involved in a life group because those are the people who are going to come around you. I want to show you this verse. You know this verse. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of compassion and the God of all... There's that word. The God of all, all comfort comes from God. Look at verse 4. Who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I mean, just take a look around this room. Look at the sheer number of people. And no matter what you're going through right now, there is someone else going through the exact same situation as you. And I believe if God has ever helped you get through that difficult situation, that part of God giving you comfort is so that you can find others and share the comforting news that God gave you with them and vice versa if you're sitting here hurting right now you need to find others who've walked down that road and they could come around you and comfort you and all God's people said. I, I tell you, I, 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 I'm just, I, I have a list here of just some of the ministries that we have in our church. We have a ministry called Christ-Powered Recovery, okay? And they meet on Monday nights. And they are people that have every addiction Imaginable, you name the addiction they are here on monday nights and it's called christ-powered recovery and the point is if you're out there by yourself and you're hurting and you don't know what to do again what you need is to gather around you a group of people who are walking down this road and together collectively we're seeing life after life change in that christ-powered recovery ministry we have a ministry called Divorce Care for people who are simply going through divorce or have been through divorce and struggling, and they've got all kinds of issues, and their hearts are heavy, and so we have a, a group called Divorce Care. They have a 14-week class that occurs twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall. We have a Grief Share class. It is a seminar and support group that features biblical teaching on grief and recovery if you've ever lost a loved one and you're struggling with that. We have a ministry called LOVE, L-U-V, that stands for Love, Unconditional, and Victorious. The LOVE ministry is a healing and reconciliation ministry that helps families that are dealing with the issues of homosexuality. This ministry includes balanced biblical perspective, spiritual counseling, a support group, educational and spiritual resources, information, referrals, seminars, special events, they meet every uh, third Wednesday of the month. We have a ministry called In His Arms, which is a ministry that helps women who've had miscarriages and are dealing with the issues and the trauma of losing that child through a miscarriage. We have another ministry called Throne of Grace. It is a confidential 12-week ministry that set out to assist women in their post-abortive trauma that will enable them to seek healing and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We have a sunraise ministry that, uh, a class on Sundays uh, for children who have special needs. We have a a prison ministry for those who have either been to prison and you're trying to, you're out and you're trying to see your, get your way through or you've got a loved one who's in prison. Uh, We have a thing called crown ministry for people who have financial issues and you don't know where to turn. Let me tell you, whatever it is that you're going through, you're not the only one. We have dozens, if not hundreds, of people in this church, and we're just trying to network so you guys can get together and encourage. I tell you, it's one of the best things about this church. is just there are encouragement. We have so many people. You know that we have all kinds of ways to encourage you, and all God's people said, amen. Now, number three, write this down. Write this down, number three. There's also celebration in numbers. Can you imagine the celebration when all of them 601,730, they're marching around those walls and they finally hear the trumpet sound and they give that long blast and those walls come tumbling down and they go and take the city. Can you imagine the celebration that they experienced when you're with 600,000 people? I mean, I've been to a few sporting events and the Bible says, this is in your Bible, it says that when one sinner repents, that all of heaven rejoices. Oh, oh. You know, Revelation, Revelation talks about that one day we're going to stand before the throne of God and that it says that there'll be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, multitudes that are too many to count. I mean, we counted 601,000. You can't even count how many people are going to be up there. And then it says that every angel in heaven will be there. And we'll all be singing. We'll all be rejoicing. We'll all be praising. We'll all be at, at, in front of the Lamb of God. Imagine that celebration, how grand and glorious that's going to be. So you see, I I just want to say that in this story, I didn't want to to leave without talking about the fact that they were all supposed to be there and the strength that happens when we're all there and how all of Israel got in trouble when one guy messed up. Let me tell you something. Don't be that one guy in this church. Don't be the one person here that's not involved in a life group. Don't Don't be the person who's not involved in a life group. Don't be the person who's not here every week. Don't be the one person who doesn't tithe or give sacrificially. Don't be the one person who's not honoring God. Don't be the one person out on Friday nights doing stuff you shouldn't be doing. Imagine what this would happen here at this church if every single person here today was truly committed to being a follower of Jesus. Imagine the impact that we could have in this city And imagine a celebration that can happen when just one person comes today and says, I don't want to be like Achan. I want to be that guy that when he comes forward that the whole, whole, all of heaven stands and shouts and rejoices because one person came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand and bow our heads for just a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for this message. Just the sheer number of people here, there have to be some here today who are not fully on board. And I believe right now, God, as you called for all the soldiers to be in that line, that you call for every one of us to get involved in our battle between good and evil, between righteousness and unrighteousness, between purity and impurity. So if there be one aching here, one person here who's just outside your will, God, I pray that they would come today. Because if we could get all those to come, Lord, we would see the tide turn in this city and in this nation and in this world. The answers to life's problems will never be resolved by the government or by our military. The answers in life come when true Christians lead other people to salvation. And one person touches the life of another through Jesus Christ. And that's where influence and that's where impact comes from.
1: by Pastor Dudley's message tonight. We want you to know we have phone counselors standing by and ready to pray with you right now. Our number is simple to dial. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. We are ready for any prayer requests or needs you may have. Ephesians 6 reminds us of the many gifts we have been given by God. And prayer is one of the greatest assets we have as Christians to fend off any attack by the enemy. So please don't hesitate to call us if you are alone and need to pray with someone right now. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, he would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing his people to take possession of the promised land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.